Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Once again this week we continue our series of tributes to people who we lost last year in 2020. One person I think about midway through the year last year may not be known to too many people but you've definitely heard his music, Ennio Morricone. And he was a pretty famous and extremely prolific composer of film scores, especially during the 60s and 70s, uh, well into the 80s, starting out, of course, in Italian cinema and crossing over into a ton, a ton of productions. And so, uh, yeah, we lost him last year. And we have done some films uh, on this podcast that he has scored. And he did, in fact, score a couple giallo picks that uh, I would love to get to. But knowing that uh, Craig would probably send a gloved (laughs) killer to my house to murder me (laughs) if I made him go through another giallo pick, especially so soon after we did Tenebrae a couple weeks ago, uh, I decided uh, to pick one that both he and I were very interested in seeing. And this is 1977's Orca. The Killer Whale. (laughs) Yep. Basically a Jaws knockoff. Mm Mm-hmm. Produced by Dino De Laurentiis, who specialized in this sort of thing. I guess the story that I read was that uh, De Laurentiis called Luciano Vincenzoni, a writer that he collaborated with or worked with quite a a lot, in the middle of the night and was like, uh, hey, we need to do some kind of Jaws thing. And uh, the guy had admitted that he had seen Jaws and started to research killer whales and found that there's a lot of subject uh, matter there. There's a lot you can play with on the killer whale angle, maybe even argue that they're a little more dangerous than great white sharks are. And so they took that and ran with it and came up with what I think ends up being uh, more Moby Dick than Jaws. (laughs) Yeah. It has its moments. I uh, was really excited to see this movie just because it's the film that I grew up hearing a lot about. You know, we just kind of knew it was there. Maybe it showed up on TV every once in a while. Knew about it as this Jaws knockoff I always intended to see and never got to see until now. So uh, here we are, we're able to talk about the movie, talk about the score behind it, and tribute to Ennio Morricone. How about you, Craig? Had you seen it? No, I hadn't. Uh, Like you said, just like you, I had been aware of it and had thought that it was, you know, kind of a Jaws knockoff, whatever, killer whale terrorizing people in this small community. When we were talking about, you know, doing this tribute, you did throw out a couple of things, and... To be fair to me, I said, <laughs> we can do whatever you want. <laughs> if you want to do another giallo, we can. I've, I've been married long enough to know sometimes when people say something, <laughs> <laughs> you might want to think twice about uh, following them down that road. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. You very no, you did graciously say said. And I just said, I've always been interested in seeing this just because... I knew it existed, and I don't know, I it's not as though I necessarily heard a lot about it. I just knew that it was out there, yeah. and I just expected that being a Jaws knockoff, that it was going to be bad. And that's what I said to you. I'm like, dude, pick what you want. Orca's going to be bad. I want to mm. see it eventually, but it's going to be bad. And And then I watched it. And I didn't think it was that bad. No. I thought it was perfectly fine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to be honest, you're absolutely right. It's probably better than a lot of the sequels to Jaws ended up being. (laughs) It it is. You know? And really, in terms of a lot of things, really, there were things that I really liked about it. Like, 
there's a lot of real life whale footage and underwater yeah. photography. Yeah. And it looks really good. And even the fake whales that they use look shockingly real. Like yeah. I read that, uh, they used a couple of big fake rubber, I guess, whales. But when they were transporting one of them, they got stopped by animal advocacy groups who thought that they were actually transporting real live animals. <laughs> That's how realistic they looked. And and they used footage um, of real whales from like a, a SeaWorld type place. It wasn't SeaWorld, but a place like that. And obviously you can tell that some of the footage, like with the whales jumping out of the water and stuff, you can tell that it's superimposed over other settings. But for the most <laughs> yeah. part... The whales look surprisingly real. They did have to do a lot of edit cuts for, like, attack sequences and stuff, and those don't look so convincing. Yeah. But other than that, it looks pretty good. And I was surprisingly moved in parts of this. Like, mm, there yeah. were parts that kind of upset me visually, and uh, I don't know. I was just, I was very surprised. I don't think it's a great movie. It's not a classic by any stretch of the imagination, but I was really pleasantly surprised. I went into it expecting it to be really bad, and it really wasn't. <laughs> no. I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, you have some very competent people working on this movie. You, the, the director, Michael Anderson, is kind of a classic director from the 50s, and uh, he did Logan's Run the year before this, which is a movie I've always enjoyed. The writer has written a ton of stuff. For a few dollars more, the sequel to uh, Fistful of Dollars, and then The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Even up into the 80s, he wrote Raw Deal, which was a Schwarzenegger action pick. And then, of course, you know, it's a Dino De Laurentiis production, so the production value is pretty good. It's, you know, it's it's sort of lower high-budget good, right? There's, there's some stuff that's kind of fake, but then there's some surprisingly good scenes and things where you think, okay, yeah, they clearly spent a bit of money on this one. Mm -hmm. And then the actors, uh, Richard Harris is the star, and, you know, he is just a veteran of, even by this point, stage and screen, and up until he played the Albus Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I couldn't figure out where I knew him from, and I totally forgotten that he was in that. Yeah, um, great uh, Irish actor. And then uh, this happens to be Bo Derek's screen debut. <laughs> uh -huh. It's not the first movie she played in, but the, the first movie that she played in didn't get released until after this movie was released. So uh, this was her first appearance on the screen, and she has a, a bit part, but she's... She looks pretty. She looks very pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. She doesn't have a lot to do, but she, she does look pretty. <laughs> Yeah. Even uh, Robert Carradine has a small part in here, who plays a, a guy named Ken. And uh, I was like, oh yeah, of course, he's one of the Carradines, right? I think he's John Carradine's son. Those of us, again, from the 80s will remember him. He's the main guy. He's the main nerd in Revenge of the Nerds. The dude with a goofy laugh. Oh, yeah. With Skalnik, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Crazy, right? I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's got a blink, almost a blink, and, if you'd, and you'd miss it roll. It's like he's, he's in the beginning, and then you never see him for a while. And then towards the end, he pops in, and I was like, who's that guy? 
Oh, that's right. That's the guy from the beginning of the movie. <laughs> he but, looks very different than he looked in Revenge of the Nerds. Like, oh, he's yeah. so nerdy in that movie. He looks totally different. I would have never recognized him. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the, the, there's some great stars in this film, some very good stars. And then, of course, the score, Ennio Morricone. And it's a lovely score, I think. It really is. I have to say, like, the it, the movie opens up with just this, uh, with whale song, first mm. of all, over the initial opening credits. And then it's just a lot of shots of orcas jumping out of the water. You know, ever since the release of Blackfish, I've been very, very torn about these marine attractions like SeaWorld and stuff. Mm -hmm. But when I was a kid, my parents took me to SeaWorld. Well, actually, we went to Orlando, Florida, and we went to, like, all of the amusement parks. Disney, Universal, MGM, you know, all of these parks. But our favorite by far was SeaWorld. We just absolutely loved it. And and we saw the Orca shows. And they were amazing to see these enormous creatures that could just perform, literally perform, these incredible feats, you know, jumping out of the water. And, of course, this was in the 80s when the um, trainers were still allowed to swim and perform with them. Yeah. So jumping out of the water with a trainer balanced on their nose and, you know, diving off, you know, when they're at the peak of their jump. And sometimes if you were lucky, you would, they would do like meet and greets with the whales and you would get to pet them and stuff. And I I think that I got to do that. I don't remember, I was a little, little kid. So I don't remember if I got to like sit on a dolphin or pet one of the whales or or what, but it was just such a, a an amazing experience. And now knowing what I know about the conditions that those animals are kept in, and it's really quite sad. Yeah, you know. But God, I'm still torn about it because it's such <laughs> it's one of my fondest <laughs> childhood memories. But uh, anyway, you get all this great footage of them jumping and swimming underwater. Scored by this orchestral score that's very beautiful and really highlights the beauty of the natural setting and and these majestic creatures. Even had we not been thinking about the score because this was a tribute, I would have noticed it because it's very fitting and it really does a lot to set the mood, not only in the beginning, but in later, like, heart-wrenching parts of the movie, too. I I thought it was great. In the very, very beginning, I mean, one of the first things we see before we even see too much of the whales is uh, just an oscilloscope, you know, and we hear the sounds of the whales talking to each other um, as they're recorded, and there's a very minimalist kind of score underneath this that gradually builds to, you know, the orchestral score, but I thought it was really neat what he did there where he used trumpets, and the trumpets sound like the whales. It was a really cool, (laughs) like a mimicking of the whale sound with the trumpets. And we don't hear that again, really, I think, in the rest of the movie, but it was a really interesting way to bring the music into uh, that, you know, the film very, very slowly and very gradually as the visual does. We've got this bare oscilloscope on the screen and then slowly but surely we start to see all this beautiful, wonderful underwater footage and above water footage of these whales jumping around. Footage which I might add, we're going to see a lot more of yeah. <laughs> later. There's, there's one particular shot and, and when you watch it, you almost have to laugh, especially the beginning because it's one of those too good to be true shots where there's like a sunset 
setting, but though it, it's kind of dark outside, and there are two whales that at the same time leap up into the air and arch backwards and go back down, which you can tell is the same shot that's just been reversed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that it looks like two whales. And you can tell it's sort of superimposed over the scene. That was probably shot at, like, you know, Marine World or wherever. Yeah. And then that very same shot gets superimposed, like, five more times. <laughs> At least in the rest of the movie. But it's fine because it's the seven it's the late seventies. It's the best they could do with what they had and, and I thought it you know was acceptable. Yeah. Because there's so much footage. It's not CGI. Frankly, I would rather see that than CGI. <laughs> oh yeah, God yeah. Exactly. So somebody's recording these sounds and then we see the beach and there's a recorder, nice little reel to reel recorder following a line down into the water and then there's a scuba diver under the water who's going down to either adjust the equipment or maybe retrieve the microphone and uh, is frightened by a shark and this shark starts uh, threatening this diver and he's trying to hide from the shark and you think the shark's going to kind of get him and then a boat comes in and sort of scares the shark away and the boat is the, the Bumpo. And uh, here on the Bumpo is our main character, Nolan. Nolan is the grizzled seafarer <laughs> dashing in the in his mid-40s or whatever who is out there hunting for... He's, is he hunting sharks at this point or is he actually hunting He is whales? hunting... No, he's hunting that... It's a great white shark and yeah. he's hunting it but not to kill it. He wants to capture it. Because marine world or, you know, whatever, one of those places, gosh, the, the best word I can come up with is has put a bounty out. They, they, yeah. they want to capture a live specimen. Uh, and so that's what, um, he's trying to do, but he's interrupted by Ken, who's in a small boat, like a buoy with a, a motor, who comes up and says, y- you can't shoot at it. Or, uh, I don't there's know. There's a diver in the There's water. a diver down, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the diver comes up, and you kept referring... Saying him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a chick. Her name is Rachel, and, and she is a scientist, I think. You know, she's studying yeah. the whales. It's, it's kind of a weird scene. Like, Ken takes her... He pulls her into his little buoy, and then he takes her over to the fishing boat, and she boards the fishing boat, and then he goes... I, I guess he's going back to shore. I, I don't know, but yeah. something happens and he falls out of the boat. Just, like it's the way I would fall out of a boat. It just <laughs> looks super clumsy. <laughs> but he falls into the water, and of course, there's that shark, and now it's dangerous, right? The shark's coming at him, and then suddenly, out of the blue, this killer whale comes in and takes out the shark. And I thought this was so great. This is this movie's like middle finger to Jaws. Like, oh, you think Jaws is scary. You know, we're about to top it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, and it's funny because like the, you see the killer whale approaching very quickly and then like it knocks the shark and like shoots it like 40 feet into the air. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. These things, you know, the killer whales in this movie do nothing better than pushing stuff around. They're really, (laughs) they are really good at bumping up against things and pushing them around. So uh, (laughs) it's great, but it kills it. And and so everybody's fine. And then we cut like Rachel's like giving a seminar or something. And and she's talking Mm. about killer whales and she has a whole monologue 
But she talks about how they're the most powerful animal in the world, but she also makes a point of saying that they have a profound instinct for vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a, a couple times, right? Like, ooh, is this foreshadowing or something? I don't know. Yet the most amazing thing about these creatures is neither their gentleness nor their violence, but their brains. Slides, please, Ken. She shows this picture of this brain of an or of an orcas compared to a human's, and it's at least as big and maybe it's even got a lot more folds in it, which would indicate pretty, pretty high intelligence. Like Moby Dick, you're going to learn a lot about killer whales in this movie in a very short amount of time. Actually, the producer and director of Blackfish referenced Orca several times, I guess, in that movie. I don't remember. I did see Blackfish. It was quite a while ago. But I got in this dialogue there on the, in this article where they were talking about, you know, the misconceptions and the kind of the balance that you kind of have to have when you approach this because they're not called killer whales because they run around and kill things. It's because they kill whales. Orcas will actually take down whales bigger than themselves. Oh, yeah. They're sometimes called the wolves of the sea. Yeah. But also, they're very closely related to dolphins. We all know dolphins are super intelligent. Mm -hmm. And so, so there are these lovable aspects of them as well. They are playful. They do have these sort of family groups. One thing that the movie also emphasizes as we as we get in, which becomes very, very important, is that um, they will find a mate for life. Yeah, but that's not true. <laughs> it's not true, yeah. It, it's like, the, the, the actually, the, the males are just like, uh, they basically, kind of like dolphins, like they just bang every and everything and usually not even with their consent <laughs> well I, I i was actually really fascinated i was fascinated by this because they made such a point of saying that they're monogamous and they stay with their same partner and with their families their whole life and that's not true but i mean it's kind of based in reality because they do stay in their own pods yeah but male orcas stay in their mother's pod and then female orcas go outside of their pods to mate we suppose to avoid inbreeding but they i, I guess science thought that uh, orcas were monogamous because they stayed with the same women all their life but those are their mothers and sisters <laughs> they, <laughs> that, that they don't mate with and, they and other yeah. females come in and mate with them and then go back to their own pods. But for the purpose of the movie, it works well and it's believable. And, and the whole setup is that this Nolan guy, when he realizes that he's not going to get his shark and he sees you know, how vicious these killer whales can be. He's like, oh, well, okay, instead I'll capture a killer whale. They go out looking for them and find them immediately. But again, it's this beautiful footage of this pod of whales swimming together. And it is really majestic to see mm -hmm. these huge groups of these enormous animals swimming together, you know, surfacing in unison. And, and this is all real footage, and it looks really cool. And for the purpose of the movie, because they look so majestic and because we've been fed this line about how they stay together, even though it's a little bit off factually... You know, I felt sentimental about them. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I didn't yeah, true. want, I didn't want this guy to go out and hurt any one of them. But even one of his lady crew members, I think it's Bo Derek, says, 
you know they mate for life, and he's like, oh, no, really, I didn't know that. And she's like, so if we take one, we could be breaking up a family. And he's just like, hmm, you know, that's a real head-scratcher or whatever. And, but go ahead and load up the syringe. <laughs> yeah, load up the syringe. The tranquilizer. Uh-huh. And they find the pod, and he just kind of very recklessly, Captain Ahab-style, crawls up on the perch and points his harpoon and shoots and he grazes a male and the, it's an important plot point like he takes a chunk out yeah. of its fin convenient for us <laughs> yeah convenient for us but the harpoon ends up hitting a female and i swear like i i don't know if you felt the same way but this almost made me sick like yeah physically it was pretty sick. brutal yeah it was very brutal and because i don't know if this is realistic or not i do know that whales do vocalize but in this moment like this this whale is screaming it upsets even him even nolan is like yeah and uh it's screaming and it's thrashing and it gets all tangled up in the rope and the male is looking on and they drag this female in well she also is like coming up against the the propeller of the boat oh yeah like they they say she's trying to kill herself. Yeah, what, what, I'm not sure about that. That was kind of weird. But yeah, he pulls him up. It pulls her up out of the water. And this is so interesting, the way that this was filmed, where they have this whale up by the tail, you know, hanging. And as they're dragging it over and across, hanging over the boat, she's still alive. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, got, and her mouth is moving. And like you said, it's a pretty realistic it's not thrashing around, but it probably no. wouldn't be. But it's just enough, you know, to be realistic enough. And you're like, oh, God, and there's blood there and everything. And the male whale, his head is like above water, like he's watching what's going on. Uh-huh. And and also kind of screaming. And I mean, almost to the point where it was a little cheesy. Yes, it definitely was, but it still got me. I mean, you, yeah, know, you know that I'm an animal lover, and just to see <laughs> an animal in pain and clearly in fear, and I know it's fake. I know it's a movie, <laughs> but it, it just kind of, it was a gut punch, and then it's hanging there bleeding, and this part is probably super unrealistic, um, <laughs> but it ex- Spells. It expels <laughs> an unborn fetus. And this is fake. Like, it's totally fake, but it looks real. Like, they really did a good job with these effects because it looks real. And it expels this fetus. And when Rachel had been doing her lecture she had shown pictures of a four-month-old whale fetus and she had made note of how much it looks like a human fetus and i have no idea if that's true but the picture that she showed it did very much look like a human fetus and so when the whale expels it it doesn't look like a person but it it has some kind of human characteristics and it clearly freaks nolan out and he's like yeah. get it off the boat get it off the boat <laughs> and he and he <laughs> uses a hose to spray it off the boat but at the same time god this is traumatic it is <laughs> it is traumatic and there's these close-ups on the whale's eye which is another thing we're going to get a lot more of um like it's looking at him and at, no, at one point nolan's face is superimposed in the eye like i see you you know right. marking you <laughs> right. but the 
once again, like you mentioned, the thing that really got me about this scene is this, all of this really disturbs Nolan. Like, clearly, every bit of it has been disturbing him from the moment he harpooned that thing and it started screaming to they brought it up on board to the reaction of, of the male and then this fetus, which just is like the cherry on top, just flops out unceremoniously, which, again, was kind of silly, but it was just this entire disaster. Mm-hmm. This guy who's presumably his career is he's out there, he's a fisherman. You know, I mean, he's not experienced with whales, obviously, but he's clearly an experienced guy at yeah. harpooning other things. The, the worst possible thing is happening right in front of him, and it bothers the heck out of him. And I think that did a lot to instantly get on his side in this. It it did a lot to instantly make him a sympathetic character, I think, in this movie, which was essential, really, uh, I think, for it going on. Like, I didn't want him to be callous, but he had to be bullied into doing what he needed to do. He takes some convincing, but it's not because he didn't doesn't give a crap about animals. Yeah. Uh, or at least in this particular circumstance. Well, that that surprised me about the movie because I did expect him to just be this callous guy and I expected mm-hmm. like, you know, if there was going to be, you know, this whale that was out for vengeance against him or whatever that he was just going to be the Captain Ahab type that was, you know, going to be hard ass. Right. Me against you. We're going to get you kind of thing. And it's it surprised me and that it's not that at all. Like he's immediately regretful. Like I, I already had a preconceived notion of him just from his kind of cocky attitude from the beginning. But then it shifts and he's he's clearly remorseful for what he's done Mm -hmm. he doesn't really understand the gravity of it at first but he talks to rachel about it and she explains you know these deep connections that these whales have and he kind of feels bad and then they so the whale is hanging there and then it's nighttime and then the male whale starts battering the boat and so Nolan says, is the female still alive? And somebody says, I can't imagine how, but yes, she is. And he's like, drop her back in, you know, get her off the boat. And so they do, but right as soon as they do, the, the boat is already kind of tipped because of the weight of the whale and the barrage of the beatings from the male. One of the crew people is hanging from, like, one of those lookout posts or something. I don't know, whatever. It's like the mast, yeah, where he cut her down from. It's like a horizontal mast, yeah. And the male jumps up and grabs him and kills him. Uh, and eat <laughs> not eats him, but grabs him and he's dead. Yeah, bites him right off the, the side and, ta- you know, takes him down. Oh, and, and I think this is the point, actually, where the male surfaces again and looks at Nolan and, and Nolan's face is in his eye and Nolan looks at the whale and he kind of realizes, oh, my God, you know. It's goofy, but for this type of movie, it worked. Like, <laughs> Oh, it does. Because the next scene, <laughs> the next scene is long and it's basically sun is coming up and this whale is pushing the female along and the music here is almost like a funeral dirge my god and it and it this is so long and so dramatic and actually so well filmed i thought I thought that it so never, too, and I was sad. I was sad. It felt like a funeral because the male is pushing the female, but the rest of the pod is with him. It felt 
like a funeral. Now, I have no idea if anything... No, that's a lie. I was going to say I have no idea if anything like this really happens. It does. Whales do mourn their dead. There was a recorded instance of a mother whale who had given birth, and I don't remember if the if the calf was stillborn or if it died soon after birth, but she pushed it for, I think, hundreds of miles on the migration, um, and scientists had no idea why she would do that, and they just eventually came to the conclusion that she was mourning. And, like, uh, wow. it's deep. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I eat my cheeseburgers every day, I try not to think about... Animals having those kind of feelings, but clearly some of them do. And uh, the way that they treat it with the cinematography and the score, it's emotionally impactful. <laughs> I was moved. Yeah. I mean, your cheeseburger had a mom, you know, we don't want to think about that, but it's true. <laughs> no, it's but what, but what, I, what I was getting to about Nolan uh, feeling guilty, he talks to Rachel and she explains some of these things to him but then he goes to the crew member's funeral and he talks to a priest what, uh, what, what i was meaning to ask you like can you commit a sin against an animal oh you can commit a sin against a blade of grass sins are really against oneself from that point on he understands kind of the weight of what he has done plus he's reminded because the whale's coming to get him <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> well he ends up here on the shore where the whale had basically beached uh, the yes. female and so they're in this kind of fishing town and he's docked there and he meets a doctor and he meets the priest but he also meets a guy named Jacob who's probably a native of the area or something uh, maybe that's the idea anyway but uh, he's Will Sampson who I know yeah from Poltergeist 2 and uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh -huh. uh, I, I was just instantly recognizable and I thought oh yeah this is this guy who's in all these movies and I went to I IMDb and I'm like, no, he has actually not been in a lot of movies. He's just been in like three or four high profile films. Huh. Yeah, I recognized him right away. Uh, yeah. He's he's Chief Bromden in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, that's that's an amazing movie, an amazing role. And I really enjoyed him in Poltergeist 2 also. Yeah, me too. <laughs> he doesn't have a whole lot to do here, except for that he can tell Nolan some of the natives mythology about uh, these killer whales and how they have memories and more about how they have vengeance and all that stuff. And yeah. And, um, and he tells him if I were you, I would stay far from this territory, but uh, he doesn't. And, and the Harbor master comes and talks to him too. I assume it's the Harbor master. His name's Al Swain. He says he's in charge around these parts or whatever. The local fishermen's union. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he warns him, like, it's interesting how he approached him because he's not outwardly threatening, but his meaning is very clear. And he warns him that some people around here think that orcas in the area will drive away their fish, which is their livelihood. Basically, what he's telling him is get the hell out of here. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you brought this scourge on us get it out of here and immediately after that we see that the orca is in the harbor and it comes up and just destroys all of the fishing boats <laughs> except 
except for Nolan's. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. Well, it punches holes in the bottom of a hole. It's crazy, this scene. You know, once again, they're not coming after him like with pitchforks and trying to get him out of there. It's like just strongly suggested that he leave. And a little bit later on, the, the Al guy says to him, we decided we're going to fix up your boat first uh, so that you can uh, take off. He ends up kind of drunk, and he's you know he's kind of trying to figure out what to do um, because they're burying the whale. I guess they want him to leave. In the meantime, he has a discussion with with her, and then the guy says, "Hey, the whale was spotted up by the North Point." Rachel, you know, says, "Don't go to North Point. Don't go up there." Well, he goes up there to ch- yeah. After he's like, uh, "No, I totally won't." <laughs> the very next scene, he's there. This scene, if any of them, I thought was kind of silly, but I still didn't hate it. Like, like it's dark, and there's just a red light on the end of the dock. And, like, he he looks out, and he doesn't see anything, so he turns around, and then he hears a splash, so he turns back. And that happens, like, three times. Like, two more times? (laughs) 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 Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. And then he turns back and he finally sees it and it surfaces and it screams at him. Like and It gives him the stink eye again. <laughs> it gives him the stink eye. And it's just, you know, the orca's head sticking up out of the dark water illuminated by this red light screaming at him. And I think, again, you kind of see Nolan's reflection in his eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's heavy-handed. But I don't know. It didn't bother me. I was into this movie. Well, then there's a quick cut of a car going off the road that just pops in and pops out and then we're in the next scene where he wakes up the next morning and I, I was like car went off what was this about the car going off the road and then I realized oh it must be some vision or some flashback or something we're going to get that's going to be explained later he wakes up um, in the home in which he is staying in, which is a house that's completely up on stilts over the outside edge of the shore. And the minute, I swear to you, the minute I saw him, because this is the thing that I'm always thinking about in these Jaws and Killer Whale movies, is like, you know, if you don't go in the water, you're absolutely right, fine. Stay out of the water, you dumbass. <laughs> you know, so the minute I saw that they were in this house on stilts over the, the sea, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I see where this is going to go. <laughs> I'm sure that somehow the whale's going to attack this house. And I wasn't disappointed. But first, uh, he comes out of the house and stands out there. And Jacob tells him he really should go hunt the whale because everyone's super pissed at him. There's a really funny story about like whale voodoo dolls, too. They have this shaman. So a small skin whale and stuff it with the livers of birds. They make piss water on it and throw it into the sea with some words. If all has been done right, the monster spirit flies out of its mouth and he is dead. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping for that scene, but they don't do that. (laughs) No. Oh, my gosh. Well, then there's a silly scene where Nolan, like, sets up a dummy of himself at the end of the pier. And it's as though he's going to shoot it. But Rachel shows up and says, oh, no, you can't do this. The whale wants to – he's not going to show up because he wants to fight (laughs) you. No, his plan is that he's going to go look the whale in the eye and And apologize. apologize. <laughs> you said they were intelligent. I, I'm just gonna wait till he services. I'm gonna look him in the eye and apologize and hope he accepts my apology. <laughs> oh gosh, that was so like he was going to shoot it, but then he realized he didn't want to. Instead, he just wanted to talk to it. And like some point later in the movie, 
it's implied that he can like understand the whale now. Like she, she asks him, like, <laughs> "What is he thinking?" And he's like, "He's thinking this." Like he can understand. <laughs> oh, but it's really funny. But it it turns out that he wants to apologize because he says the same thing happens to me. He he understands why the whale is so angry because the same thing happened to him. His wife was pregnant it was pregnant yeah Ugh. and on her way to the hospital i guess to give birth she was killed by a drunk driver so it it explains why he was so upset by that whole fetus episode but how convenient right it, I mean, oh gosh on. super convenient <laughs> but he does i mean he's he legitimately feels bad okay yeah and then the orca blows I, up the whole town this was hilarious <laughs> He knows. He just knows how everything works. He just services out of the water and knocks some gas pipes away, which you know, like run around, I guess, to some buildings, and then he bangs the bottom of another building and makes a a lantern fall down and light it up. And not only does it just actually, this was a cool scene, right? Because it's all practical. It just flames are just going all across the entire bay and everything that's there, right up the mountain to where there's like oil refinery or something. Right. That thing completely explodes and, and the then whale just revels in it like it's out <laughs> off the coast like jumping out of the water like it's so it's happy that same arching through the air kind of thing that we saw earlier superimposed <laughs> he's really proud of himself like yes yeah, he is. blew up the whole town <laughs> oh man <laughs> so the harbor master guy or the lead fisherman or whatever shows up or no he calls him in a very ominous call and says your boat will be done in the morning you and your crew need to get out of here and if you don't there's going to be trouble basically so nolan tells the crew to get out of town and one of them the guy goes off to like fuel up the car or something i don't know and nolan calls rachel and tells him that he's gonna go after the whale and then she somehow talks him out of it like it's a whole psychology yeah. thing like i didn't even get it like i kind of lost her train of thought like he's just dangerous and angry and like who do you owe more to the whale or these townspeople and he's like oh i guess the whale like what i like I don't... yeah it was weird it was so weird because it you know earlier and he even says this you know earlier you were trying to tell me that you know i need to go out and you know make amends with it and and whatever and she's like well earlier i just told you that because i didn't think you were remorseful enough yeah. But I didn't really mean it. Now that I see you're remorseful, I'm telling you you shouldn't go. Uh, it was it was dumb. Yeah. But you know, she's going to be along for the ride and then Jacob just kind of offhandedly offers that he can he can help too. He tells the uh, who's this guy? We haven't even mentioned this guy. It's not Ken, it's um Paul, played by Peter Hooten. Yeah. yeah, Paul, the male crew member who's kind of banging Bo Derek's right. uh, character the whole time. He runs into Jacob at the gas thing, and Jacob's like, "Look, you got to tell him he's got to get out of town, and I'll even go with you guys to help out." And so, well, but the townspeople aren't going to just let them leave. Like they're they're forcing them to leave on the boat because they want them to take the whale with them. Right. Paul is trying to gas up the car so that he can take Bo Derek. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> yeah. out of there, but but they're not going to let them go. And Jacob says he has to fight it, but I'll help if you want. And then the whale attacks 
the house, which I assumed yeah. that he would, and I was surprised that he hadn't already. He knocks out the supports underneath. I don't remember. The girl's name is Annie. Bo Derek is Annie. And um, she had been injured before. Yeah. Was- when the whale had, like, hit the boat, she had broken her ankle or something. So she's in a cast. So the house is tilted because the supports have been knocked out. So it's tilted down towards the ocean and she is sliding down and they try to rescue her, but the whale jumps up and bites her leg off (laughs) 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 and then celebrates again. Uh. Yes. It's so wonderful. (laughs) And and then Nolan very dramatically says, You want revenge? Well, you don't have it! Oh, it's so dramatic, but it's cool. It's cool dramatic. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly what you expected. There were two things here. First of all, once again, like the production value of this movie was pretty high. Yeah. To have this very elaborate um, and I think well-filmed and very tense scene of them. I, I knew she was going to get it. I Actually, I thought the whale was just going to chomp her. I this too. movie has no qualms killing people off, and that was, you know... That was refreshing. But, well, and uh, I thought she was dead because the the attack scenes are very brief. They're super, super quick mm. because they have to do interesting things with cutting because obviously, you know, they're not filming real whales attacking people. So they're very quick cuts. I saw that it got that it chomped her and I just assumed that she was dead. But he says later, Nolan says later, like three people dead and one poor girl maimed for the rest of her life or whatever. So she's not dead. Well, the other thing, you know, speaking to the score is there's an interesting choice being made here. You know, the Jaws score is pretty iconic because it really builds uh-huh. this tension every time Jaws is coming. There's that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And you'd think that a movie that's kind of ripping off Jaws would really try to up that, over-dramatize, especially because this score does go into this sort of dramatic territory and these quiet and nice scenes. But here, when the when the whale is coming... All we hear are whale sounds and this kind of minimalist, um, it's like a screeching or scratching over, I don't know, steel drums or something. of a piano i'm not sure exactly what it is and it's repeated multiple times through the movie but um i think it was a good choice i mean at least it made the movie stand out a little bit made it a little different from jaws i don't know i think one could argue that maybe there's not as much suspense in this movie that maybe it's not as suspenseful as it could have been i don't know i think i think it's fair that it may not be that suspenseful but it's it's fast paced like it, oh, yeah. it's never boring for sure um it moves you know me and my attention span it, the, as we've said a million times for me the biggest sin of a movie any movie but especially a horror movie is if it's boring right and this movie is not boring definitely it moves and moves i mean the next so the the next day they leave and the orca shows up, and there's some stupid dynamite accident that I don't even understand. Like, no, I didn't understand that either. <laughs> like Nolan, Nolan, he they they find the whale, or the whale finds them, or whatever, and then he's going to throw some dynamite in the water. Now, I don't, I don't know if that was to disable the whale. I mean, I know that <laughs> unethical people 
fish that way, you know, because right. the shockwaves stun or kill the fish. But Rachel, like, won't let him, so she's, like, fighting him, and she knocks the dynamite back onto the boat, and then she has to run, and it ends up in the water anyway, and nothing comes of it, so... yeah. It's just kind of <laughs> stupid. I don't know. But then I loved this part. Like, the whale, I couldn't figure out what it was doing. Like, it taunts them. Like, it's <laughs> it's it's putting its tail fin up above the water and, like, waving at them. And then it puts its, you know, side fin up and is, like, waving at them. But apparently Nolan can understand it now. And it knows that it's telling them. <laughs> he needs to follow them. to follow it. <laughs> It's so hilarious. It's it's cartoonish, right? <laughs> it is. It's silly, but whatever. I was totally down. And then, I don't know, Ken is, like, in the lifeboat for some reason that I didn't understand, and the whale jumps up and eats him. And so I keep saying eat. It doesn't – it just yeah. eats them. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the whale – like, Rachel and Nolan are in the – underbelly or whatever you call it of the boat and they can hear the whale song and like i said before she's like what is it thinking and he's like he's saying you're my drunk driver like, <laughs> <laughs> like he totally understands why it's mad at him yeah um, i mean the the notion the whole thing here is that he's kind of also go, getting obsessive and crazy you know it's the, yeah it's the moby yeah. dickish kind of thing exactly. and then the other crew members kind of play this up too like paul talks to rachel and says you're getting to be as crazy as nolan once again for reasons uh, i don't quite understand uh, and then he kind of puts together, he says, no one says, oh, it's leading us up north. I mean, they they must be going on for days just following this I whale. Know. And even after it's killed one of their crew members and Paul mentions, you know, hey, did, do you know if no one radioed in that, that Ken was killed? Because surely they would have, you know, required us to turn back and to right. shore. And, and we haven't yet. But he, he somehow puts together, oh, the whale's leading us up north to where their ice flows to take us into these waters where it's going to damage our ship. But then he also says, ah, but he's not as smart as I thought he was because if he goes there and he's going to be underneath the ice, he won't be able to surface. And, right, to breathe. Uh, okay. <laughs> but they keep following him. And, like, it is silly. It doesn't make any sense. And I really don't know where they started out. But they very quickly get into Arctic waters with yeah. icebergs everywhere. And as silly as that may be, it looks fantastic. It does. And I, I was, I was, you know, it was a great place for the final act of, of this piece. I mean, it looks, uh, it looks treacherous. Jacob talks about, Jacob's with them, by the way. He talks about how they're, they don't have enough fuel to get back. And Nolan's like, well, once, it's all done. You guys can call for a helicopter or whatever. Rachel's like, what do you mean you guys can call back? And he just looks on ominously like he knows he's not going to survive <laughs> this or whatever. Right. And so there's tons of uh, icebergs and stuff. And Nolan tells – he doesn't tell a story, but he just says that in his attempt to capture the shark and in his attempt to capture the whale, all he wanted to do was raise enough money to go back home because mm. he realized that the sea life wasn't for him or whatever. And he says, tomorrow will be the day, you know, prophetically. And then he says, like, obviously the whale loved his family more than I loved mine. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
can I can write this off a little bit and just by saying he's just going a little crazy, right? So yeah, the yeah. stupidity of it is maybe just Nolan going crazy and being stupid. I'll I'll be generous enough to the writer to to say that they get into some issue, right? They're going through the ice flows or whatever. They're r- ramming into things, and Paul decides he's going to split. I guess he starts, he goes up to one of the hanging lifeboats and he starts tossing things onto it. Isn't that, didn't I already say that? Didn't I say he got eaten? Are you sure? I thought you were talking about Ken. Ken got eaten the first time, right? I don't know. (laughs) Who gets eaten first, Paul or Ken? I can't remember. They both get eaten about the same way. They're in some lifeboat and then the orca comes up and eats them. On this particular outing, whichever one of them is not already eaten, Gets eaten. <laughs> well, and, and I don't know if it's Paul or Ken, but I was reading, you know, like in the trivia or whatever, that it's ironic that Ken gets killed by the whale because the whale had rescued him from the shark oh, earlier yeah. in the movie. <laughs> the whale doesn't like him anymore. He rescued him earlier, but now he's like, screw you. <laughs> if you're going to hang out with my arch nemesis. And so the, the, the morning comes and Jacob is like, he holds a gun on Nolan and he's like, we're going back or whatever. But then the orca pushes an iceberg. Slowly. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Nolan's like, get me the harpoon. He has to come up for air. And, and he does, it's a, a hand, a hand held like spear harpoon. Like, Surely they don't even really make those anymore. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> who is who is harpooning whales with handheld spears? Yeah, Nolan apparently. <laughs> um, but he he does harpoon it like right above its head, and it cries. But then the iceberg hits the boat. Jacob is crushed and killed by falling ice from the iceberg. <laughs> the boat totally sinks, and Nolan and Rachel jump onto like an ice float and what i was thinking was like it really doesn't matter how this turns out at this point because you're dead like yeah <laughs> what, what are you gonna do you're floating on like this 15 by 15 ice float in the arctic ocean and nobody <laughs> knows you're there like yeah. the whale can get you or you can freeze to death like <laughs> these are your options we know he's dead but we also know rachel's gonna be alive because we've been hearing rachel narrate every now and then the whole thing uh-huh. the whole thing yeah which which was kind of annoying I thought that cheapened the movie a little bit. Like she just said, I did too. there was nothing that she said that wasn't already obvious. Uh, just exactly. Didn't, didn't need to happen. But yeah, but this part, I mean, it was so classic adventure movie, right? I loved it. That's what I loved about it. Like, yeah, like now we're on the ice floats like, and they're running around and the whale's poking, bashing up through the bottom and they're running. And, and then like they get kind of on land to this ice cave, but he slips and falls down uh, back onto the ice float, which cracks away and the and the whale pushes him on this ice float. Almost again, like, like, like a Looney Tunes cartoon, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. this one guy's out on this sheet of ice that's floating away and he can't get back onto land. And then it comes up and it comes over the edge and i just looked i was watching this with my wife and she was like oh yeah <laughs> and the whale yeah. completely tips this thing up on its edge and he slides down it like a slide and i thought it was going to be straight into the whale's mouth or something you know i did too but it didn't happen it, he falls in the water but what but i was it. thinking like as as old timey adventure movie as this was these killer whales are super smart and they do this shit i have seen 
actual footage of them doing this. Like, they will get sea lions or, or whatever, you know, trapped on these ice floats, and then their entire pods will organize and will systematically, like, swim at them to tip them off, and it's crazy. They are mm. really smart, and they are ruthless killers. I mean, they're hunters. It's it's nature. They're, you know, they need to eat, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's just crazy how innovative they can be. So as, as cartoonish as this looks, I was like... Yeah, that that whale could really do that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But it gets him down into the water and then it's circling him and it uses its tail to throw it up out of to throw Nolan up out of the water against an ice wall and he dies and sinks into the water. And I thought, "Oh, well, that was silly too." And then I was reading, they do that too. Oh, really? The, Yes, they do that to sea lions and stuff. They will flip them out of the water with their tails against rocks or icebergs or whatever to stun or kill them, and then they'll eat them. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. <laughs> well, don't dolphins also, like, kill sea lions somehow and then play with their corpses, like, bat them around, like, dolphins like balls Dolphins are nasty fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. They'll straight up rape you. <laughs> ah, well... Really? Have you had? <laughs> I've swum with the dolphins. I mean, I haven't but... had the experience, but they, they will. They straight up will. They're, they're... Don't turn your back on a dolphin. <laughs> Don't, no. But he dies and sinks into the water, and then the whale looks at Rachel with a tear in its eye. <laughs> Literally? <laughs> yes. Let's her go. And then it, it leaves, it lets her go, and a helicopter arrives. Uh, what? Like, where well, did this helicopter come from? There was, you know, earlier, um, Jacob had called an SOS or a Mayday, and he had said, I'm going to put it on auto uh, repeat or something. So oh, I think the implication okay. is bef sometime between him doing that and the five minutes the later when sinking. the boat sunk, it was enough to call somebody. So, uh, so yeah. But yeah, you're right. That comes over. And then the last bit is a cool bit of underwater photography where the whale is, you know, going under the ice... And it's some of his POV of him, POV of from him, and some of it is of him. And it kind of looks like the whale's trying to get up through the ice, but can't. And because earlier we had heard, you know, Nolan surmised that the whale might get trapped under the ice and not be able to get up. The implication that I got was that maybe the whale too also died. Well, I read that that was supposed to be the implication, but my feelings about it were that <laughs> it was so distraught like by this series of events that it intentionally killed itself that's that's that was how i read it so it could join its wife and son in heaven yeah. i guess i hope so i don't know that poor whale the poor whale is the victim in this whole thing i mean that was seriously that scene was traumatic the yeah. the him just there in the water helpless watching his mate you know, in in such a, a horrifying circumstance, I re like it really tugged at my heartstrings. Mm. Um, it's so funny when we when we talk about these movies, Craig, and this violence towards animals. We'll, we'll just kind of breeze right through. Yeah, so you know we're at hostel, and the guy's you know chained yeah. up, and his arm gets cut <laughs> off, and they take pliers to his balls and rip out this girl's eye and move on. Yeah. It never tugs at your heartstrings like uh, this no. poor dog getting kicked across a room might. So, no, see, but for the most part, 
animals, you know, they don't do anything to deserve it. Those people That's in true. the hostile movies are all kind of jerks. Assholes. What happens to them. That's but true. Um, these whales were just minding their business. They weren't hurting anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Eagerly awaiting the birth of their of their new son. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that dad could go leave him and do his own pod and rape a few other whales. <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> I I have to say I was really pleasantly surprised by this movie. I enjoyed it, yeah, and I didn't expect to at all. If anything, I thought, oh, this will be really fun to talk about because it'll be so bad. We'll have fun goofing on it. And then I was watching, and like, I actually kind of like this. And like well, you said, it I do think it's better than some of the Jaws sequels. It, I mean, it was bad in 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 many ways, though. But it overcame that with just, and and you know now that I'm we've talked about this, and I, I think we're going to get comments tomorrow because we have been kind of really hitting the fun parts and really talking about how cool some of these set pieces and these scenes are and how emotional some of the bits are, and kind of glossing over the fact that in between all of that, it can be a bit of a slog. It does move, but there are there's a lot of downtime of just kind of brooding. And thinking, you know, talking about the whale and talking about but his no life. No more so than in Jaws. Yeah, I would, I would true, say that true. maybe even, maybe even less than in Jaws. Like the action. Jaws is a great movie, and I am not trying to disparage it in any way. But the action with the shark until the end is none. kind of few and far between. Yeah. Um and here stuff is happening all the time. Yes, there are moments uh and scenes of talking that are somewhat unnecessary because it's not like we don't understand what's going on, but I have to disagree with you on that part. I didn't feel that way at all. Jaws the first one though is it's a smarter movie. And so I think that those bits in between are more compelling and in this movie, if you're not... It's more character-driven, yeah. Yeah, and in this movie, if you're not buying into it like we were, and if you're not willing to just forego some of the cheesiness and you can't really get over that, then I think you probably would think that these bits in between are dumb and slow. Okay. You know? Yeah, fair enough. But, so, yeah, I just want to put that out there, because people are probably going to comment on it, that, you know, it really just depends on what you're willing to deal, to put up with and the mindset you're in. I, I, like you, thought it was a lot of fun. And in many ways, just a very classic adventure story, these set big set pieces that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I, too, was pleasantly surprised. I thought it would be way stupider and way more mm-hmm. eye-rolling than it is. And, you know, I think a lot of pieces go into that. Obviously, the acting is, is, pretty, is, is pretty great. Yep. And it was fun to see these actors that we know and that we love. The story was interesting and different from Jaws, which made it good. Yep. Uh, it wasn't super exploitative i would say um it had some strong character elements to it and once again a great score uh to lift it up uh that you just can't say a bad thing about so uh fitting tribute i think to ennio morricone for for this year agreed i very much enjoyed it All right, well, thank you very much for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend. You can find us online. Just search for Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Find our Facebook page, our homepage, twoguys.red40net.com. Leave us a comment there. Uh, Give us some requests, what you'd like us to do. And uh, we have at least one more tribute episode coming up before we might get to some requests. We might get to some other theme episodes. We're just not sure. So let us know what you want. We always enjoy chatting and talking with you. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. (laughs) 